I assume uh, everyone is aware of what is happening in our country um, with the riots and things like that. Um, last night uh, was especially bad if you've not uh, had an opportunity to see the news and uh, frankly I'm grieved, uh, deeply so. Uh, the church has responsibility uh, to speak God's truth to the nation and also to the world. And I feel very adamant that we should, we should address the violence that is exploding in city after city. The violence is wrong. It is evil. Uh, I'm not addressing the killing of George Floyd or... I'm not addressing the actions of the police officers or the rights of those who are protesting. We have a justice system and a constitution uh, that must secure justice and protect our rights. The wheels of justice turn slowly um, in order that justice might be just and the great, a, a great strength of our constitutional republic is the right to assemble. So I'm not addressing those issues, but the wanton violence and, and destruction is evil. It is displeasing to God, and it will bear bad consequences for years to come. Mistrust of our fellow citizen is being sown. Patience with our neighbor is likely to wear thin more quickly in the future, and our nation is being weakened internally. I don't know if it's my emotion. I've, I've thought about it a few times, but uh, I think that what is happening now with the, um, the widespread uh, violence uh, could potentially become more dangerous to the health of our nation than even Pearl Harbor or September 11th or even this coronavirus pandemic because um, we are being torn apart from the inside rather than being attacked from the outside and drawing together. And I just wonder, are we going to allow this horror to become our expectation every election cycle. Our nation is desperate for the proclamation and reception of the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That being said, on to Psalm 1. Consistently, the Bible teaches that there are only two ways of living, two very distinct ways, and only two ways of living. There's no gray area that you can go find and live your life. There's no neutral path, no third way of living. Every human being has two paths and two paths alone, and they must choose one or the other. These two different paths are not law-abiding versus law-breaking. 
These two paths are not being moral versus being immoral. And of course, it's not Democrat versus Republican. These two paths are the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Look at verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Two paths, two ways, the ways of the righteous, the ways of the wicked. The path upon which you choose to live your life will bear tremendous consequences. Galatians 6, verses 6 and 7 makes this clear. The scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to to his flesh um, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Psalm 1 says that the one who walks in the way of the righteous is blessed. Look at verse 1, the first phrase there. Blessed is the man. And then verse 3 paints a picture of the blessedness that attends to the the righteous as they walk along uh, the path of righteousness. Uh, We are likened, in verse 3, to a very healthy fruit tree. Verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What a great picture of our life in Christ. In my mind's eye, maybe many of you think of an orange tree that's just loaded down with oranges. Because we have a lot of orange trees around here. In my mind's eye, um, I see a mango tree in Uganda that's just expansive. I mean, it's it's as big, the, the foliage is as big as this room. And... It would be nice to have mango trees over here in Florida. But the trees grow so big that it needs such an extensive root system that the sandy soil will not hold up the tree with the winds that we get because the the sheer size of it would cause it to fall over because our soil simply can't, um, can't support such a tree. And when I was in Uganda... Uh, in the afternoon when the children would get out of school, they'd come running from everywhere, headed to the mango tree, and some of the bigger uh, children would climb up in this massive tree, start jumping up and down on the the, uh, limbs, and then the fruit would fall, and all the small children were were picking up snacks, after-school snacks. And they were just on some of the lower limbs. The mango tree is just a glorious tree. And so that's what I see in my mind's eye when I read verse 3. And then, for us, being blessed, it also means that on the day of judgment, we will stand, whereas the wicked 
will not. Verses 4 through 6. The wicked are not so. They are the opposite of what we read in verse 3. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I must pause at this point and put the question to you. Which path are you on? The path of the righteous or the path of the wicked? I've outlined the message of Psalm 1 from a very individual point of view. Uh, Each one of us must know which path we are walking. But as we step back, as we take a broader view of Psalm 1, we see that Psalm 1 is telling us not only that each individual must be on one path or the other, but it's also telling us that there are two different peoples, two different groups of peoples with two different destinations. It's not simply that you have to choose a path or have chosen a path. Rather, Psalm 1 is a picture of human nature. Remember, Psalm 1 is Hebrew poetry. It's not a theological textbook. And so there's depth to this psalm beyond what we see just on the surface. And the psalmist is saying here, uh, he's outlining the two different natures of humanity. The human nature of the righteous has been redeemed. Remember, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Our nature became corrupt. Every person that has been born into this world, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, was born into this world with a corrupt nature. But now, because we have been redeemed, our nature has been regenerated. It has been born again. It has been raised from spirit. Uh, from spiritual death into spiritual life. It has been transformed and infused with the life of Christ. When Christ drew us to Himself, we became united to Him. We have eternal life because He is the resurrection and the life, and we are united to Him. We have become adopted as God's dear children because Christ is the Son of God and we have been united to Christ. We have been forgiven of our sins. We have been made righteous before God because Christ lived a perfect obedience before God and then He died an atoning death on the cross and we are united to Him. Therefore, our sins are forgiven in Him. Therefore, we are declared righteous in Him. We are citizens of heaven because Christ Jesus is the King of heaven. And we are united to Him. So also, we have a new nature, a redeemed nature because 
and only because we are united to Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 24 calls this new nature, the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're a new creation in Christ. And all this is simply, only because we are united to Jesus Christ. There is no salvation outside of Him. There is no new nature outside of Him. It is only in Him that you are regenerated, made new, have a new nature. He's the true vine. We are His branches. We're united to Him. Our union with Christ determines, therefore, which path we will choose because our union with Christ transforms our nature. Outside of Jesus Christ, we're on the path of the wicked. We're happily on the path of the wicked. We are chasing down or running down the path of the wicked, chasing after our own pursuits, our own pleasure, our own satisfaction. We meet Jesus Christ. We're given a new nature. And now, not only... Well, because our nature changes, our desires change. Our appetites change. We're transported from the mass of fallen humanity that lives in rebellion to God into the redeemed family of our God and Father. Let's spend a few minutes looking at the life of a person who is redeemed, who is, who is in the redeemed family of God. First of all, as I mentioned, you are blessed. Blessed is the man. It is your birthright into God's family that you are blessed. By definition, if you are in God's family, you are blessed. You're forgiven of your sins. You are clothed in glory. You have eternal life. God is for you. Who can be against you? Right? You are blessed. Simply by virtue of being in the family of God. Regardless of your past sins, regardless of your present struggles, regardless of your current circumstances, if you belong to the redeemed family of God, you are blessed. Blessed is the man, the psalmist tells us. You are also countercultural. You are not willing to go with the flow. You say no to the enticing lure of the world. You choose the way of the righteous instead of the way of the wicked. What do I mean by being countercultural? Well, let me continue reading verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You don't follow the way of the world. You reject that way to live on the the way or on the path of the righteous. Listen to something I read last night uh, on social media in regard to these riots. Someone said, to those urging these riots on, you should realize that cameras exist everywhere and that many of these kids rioting and destroying things will be arrested and convicted. A night of tagging along for the thrill will cost those young people their future. They're going with the flow, running in the path of the wicked. There will be consequences. If not in this life, they'll have to answer for God. If you are walking in the way of the righteous, you will be rejecting the way of the wicked. Since I mentioned that I saw something on social media, I'll mention something else I saw on social media a while back. It said, be a rebel, get married, start a family, don't do drugs, go to church. In other words, walking in the way of the righteous will cause you to rebel against the standards and norms of this culture. Even if you do not stray... um, or, I'm sorry, even if you do stray over into the path of the wicked, if you are in the redeemed family of God, it will break your heart because you have a new nature. And your new nature delights in the law of God. Look at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. At heart, walking in the way of the righteous is not about your actions, but about your desires. Many a wise unbeliever has seen the negative consequences of the counsel of the wicked, uh, the way of sinners, and the seed of scoffers. So, even though their heart is in rebellion to God, they avoided those actions that might get them thrown in jail or might have negative consequences. Their desires were not set upon God, however, but upon themselves. But a Christian, by definition, and listen closely, or as Jesus said um, in Luke last week, let this truth enter your ears. A Christian by definition, delights in the law of the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We love Jesus, therefore we desire to follow him. So let me ask you, is your delight in the law of the Lord? Is it your delight to obey the Lord Jesus Because you know how much He loves you. Is it just logically wise to follow Him? Because He's God and you know He loves you and has your best um, at heart. And so you follow what He says, right? (coughs) 
and we learn how to follow him by spending time listening to him in his word. Now let me go on a short rabbit trail. Uh, Many do not read God's word because it's difficult to understand at different points. But as you read it, you understand it a little bit more. And then you read it again and you understand it a little bit more. Ask God to teach you his word when you open the Bible. And then patiently and consistently, don't separate those, patiently and consistently read it. And if you belong to God, I guarantee you that you will come to delight in it if you don't already. According to verse 2, it's a promise. You belong to God. Part of your blessedness, well, your blessedness comes from having a new nature that Christ has given you, and that new nature delights in God's Word. Read it. Your nature will thank you for it. Continuing to look at the life of a person who is uh, in the redeemed family of God, in verse 3, as I mentioned, we have the picture of the blessedness of one who walks in the way of the righteous. As we delight in the law of the Lord, as we read His Word, as we meditate upon it, as we obey it, our life becomes more and more like this picture that is drawn for us in verse 3. We become more tree-like, if, if you will. And we're not a tree that randomly springs up somewhere. It says here in verse 3 that this tree is planted. It doesn't, it's just, it, it doesn't just spring up somewhere. It's planted, and it's planted very strategically. By streams, plural, streams of water. Uh, God providentially makes sure that we are planted in the place that will cause us to grow strong and prosperous. We are planted by God. We are planted strategically by many streams of water. Because God loves us. Spurgeon points out that we are planted, as I said, by many streams, by streams plural. Spurgeon gives names to each of these streams. He says we are planted by the stream of pardon. And we are also have a stream um, right beside us as well called the stream of grace. And then there's the stream of God's promises. And then there's the stream of communion with Christ. Watering us. Making us very well watered. So that we grow up strong, fruitful, prosperous in Christ. Because we are well watered with these gracious streams, we'll bring forth an abundance of spiritual fruit. And we'll grow strong in God's grace. We won't wither under hardship. Instead of withering, because God is working all things together for good, we will prosper in all we do. 
Last phrase of verse 3. In all that he does, he prospers. Even in our failures, we'll see God's providential hand in our life. And we'll grow stronger even though we are struggling. Now, the wicked have no such assurance. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The only thing that the wicked can be assured of is that they will not stand in the judgment. They will be driven away from God, be driven away from glory, driven away from life, like the chaff that the wind picks up and carries away. Notice also in verse 5 how it mentions the congregation of the righteous. When Jesus separates the sheep from the goats on the day of judgment, the goats will not be allowed to intermingle among the sheep. It will be the saddest of all sad days. And so verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. As I move toward the conclusion of this sermon, I want to mention something else that I've learned on social media. There are millions and millions of people in our country that are just outright relativists. You know, I, I read posts that people put on social media as people are arguing back and forth over social issues or whatever. And they care nothing for objective truth. As far as they're concerned, their truth belongs to them, even if someone can easily demonstrate that every one of their truth claims are completely false. Still my truth, it belongs to me, I possess it, Whatever anybody else says doesn't matter. doesn't matter about truth in general. I've got my truth. Uh, there are millions and millions of relativists in our nation. Having your own truth makes a person very self-centered. Uh, but that's a topic for another time. I simply point out relativism and how widespread it is, because it tempts Christians too. When the current of culture is so powerfully flowing in one direction, it's easy for us Christians to get swept along uh, downstream with it. Uh, It's easy then to entertain the notion that the way of the righteous is not that important. So-and-so, they're walking in the way of the wicked, they seem to be doing just fine. This was the, you remember Psalm 73? <laughs> Lord, the wicked are prospering every day. They're getting richer and richer, and I'm struggling. Um, and uh, the psalmist was, he almost lost his faith, he says, until I uh, went to the sanctuary of God. And so it's tempting for Christians when we see the prosperity of the wicked. Lord, Am I just following after you in vain? It's easy to become untethered from the truth that we delight in. The truth of God's Word is so easy 
to put it aside, to ignore it, or to forget about it. It becomes easier, therefore, to walk in the counsel of the wicked or to stand in the way of sinners and eventually to seat to sit in the seat of scoffers. So I want to speak to you, believers in the Lord Jesus. You who belong to Christ. Christ is powerful enough to keep you tethered to Him even when the, the current of culture is pulling you hard in the opposite direction. Look to the Lord Jesus. Lean upon Him. Seek Him. He will hold on to you. And He will strengthen your grip on Him. It's part of what it means to be blessed if you are in the family of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 1 and for how it, uh, without pulling any punches, tells us that there are only two ways to live, the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. God, I pray that if there are any living in the way of the wicked, that you would regenerate them, that you would bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ, give them a new nature that has new desires, new delights, and Lord, for your people who belong to you, strengthen us in grace. Make us like a tree planted by many waters. Make us fruitful in season. May our leaf never wither. In all we do for you, may we prosper for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.